0: Hi, this is Ben from Virginia, and I hate I Dot it with Dolomore. I don't listen to it, and I still don't know what a bug is.
1: Everyone was like, wait, what are you saying? And I was like, bugs, bugs. And no one <laughs> <laughs> saying it multiple times was not helping people understand, but eventually they caught on.
0: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us for this 301st episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always. Jesse Dollimore, and sitting right across from me, Brittany Page. Everybody, hello, sir. You are my co-host. I am. I appreciate you. <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> is something. No. About to happen.
0: Good. I'm. I'm just uh, trying to get into this. Yeah. It's uh It's been a. Uh, I'm tired. I guess <laughs> is what I'm saying. Uh huh. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, it
1: happens to the best of us.
0: Listen, uh, before we get going here, I just want to say, well, first, l- let me explain something. I put out a video this on Friday about how YouTube is demonetizing content, and I am a victim. I think a chief victim. People like me who do the content that I do on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Talking about controversial stuff and politically charged commentary.
1: Yeah, and advertisers don't want their ads running while... Controversial things are also on the screen. Well,
0: that's what uh, that's what YouTube and Google are claiming. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, so I'm just my 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 revenue on YouTube is dramatically decreased. Maybe by seventy five percent. Maybe eighty percent. A lot has been taken away. And I did a video, and I said thanks to everybody who subscribed to the show. To the, to the to the YouTube channel. I have about 50,000 subscribers there and growing every day, 100 or so, 200, 300 every day. And uh, I put out a call and I said, listen, if you appreciate what I do, kind of like I do here on the show, if you appreciate what I do and you deem that there is some value, some worth to what I do here on YouTube, why don't you go to patreon.com slash I doubt it with and and donate a little money. Become a patreon, become part of the family here. And uh, holy shit. Wow. well, so Brittany is getting ready to read a an astounding, humbling amount of names that is still coming in. and we appreciate it so much. it is it, it's an amount that we are emboldened. We feel very confident moving forward that we're going to get even faster to the goal of a third episode per week because of your compatriots over on YouTube, who watch the show on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, Brittany Page.
1: Uh, Edwin. Edwin. Mark. Mark. Louise.
0: Louise. We're
1: going to do it with all all of them.
0: Everyone. Hey, we're not going to treat this any different. Louise. Louise. Andrea. Andrea. Athemba. Athemba. Christopher. Christopher. Anne. Anne. Melvin. Melvin. Howard. Howard. Yasmin. Yasmin. Or is it Yasmine? I don't know. Either one. Sorry. <laughs> Jamal. Jamal. Amanda. Amanda.
1: Fred. Fred. James.
0: James.
1: James. Josh. Josh. Grant. Grant. Big Slammed.
0: Big Slammed.
1: It's the T Bird.
0: Apparently, <laughs> you don't have to put your real name uh-huh. on Patreon. It's the T bird. Saul. Saul. Charlie. Charlie. Living with Osa. Living with Osa. Randy. Randy. Ahmed. Ahmed. Miguel. Miguel. Marlon. Marlon. Alexis. 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 Tony. Tony.
1: Otieno.
0: Otieno. Corey. Corey. Richard. Richard. Priscilla. Priscilla.
1: Mythical Legends Publishing.
0: Mythical Legends Publishing. David. David.
1: Wesley. Wesley. Stan. Stan. Ruth Ann. Ruth Ann. Spiff.
0: Spiff.
1: Heverson. Heverson. Maximus. Maximus. Neil. Neil. Carol. Carol. William. William. Meg. Meg. Todd. Todd. Ebony. Ebony. Clark. Clark. Camille.
0: Camille. Tachina. Tachina. Taryn. Taryn. Jennifer. Jennifer. Brian. Brian.
1: Tracy. Tracy. Alexander.
0: Alexander. And Bill? Bill.
1: Oh, that's not it.
0: <laughs> that's not it. Oh, wait. Oh, that's that's just from Friday.
1: Yeah. Um. Robert? Robert. Trent? Trent. Chris? Chris. And Lexi. And
0: Lexi. Mm-hmm. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, goddamn, right? Yeah. Thank you, guys. It, it is an amazing thing. Truly humbling that this many people have stepped up and are... They feel passionate about what we're doing here, both on the podcast and on the YouTube channel, to give of their hard-earned money, and uh, there is no higher compliment that can be paid than putting your money where your mouth is, but than putting your money where your heart is. So we are, we have so much gratitude. It is a, an amazing thing to sit here and read, you know, fifty-eight or sixty names. Um, just tremendous, as Donald Trump would say
1: tremendous
0: tremendous
1: definitely not sad (laughs) sad one might even say a real nice
0: pretty nice yeah Yeah. real real nice yeah so that happened
1: Mm -hmm. thank you
0: and again we're looking we're looking forward to to growing that amount to the point where we can do a third episode a week
1: over halfway there
0: and we are yeah we're over halfway there now Mm -hmm. so man pretty great yes thank you guys all right, well let's 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 just dispense with all of the, uh, the 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 stalling Brittany Page, and let's get to some voicemails. Hey guys, this is John from Ohio calling. Just finished listening to episode three
2: hundred. I uh, wanted to call in about a couple of things. Uh, I think it's ironic you guys were talking about the Stephen Colbert thing not long after talking about uh, political correctness at the beginning of the show. First of all, Jesse, I think you stole the uh quote that I posted on Facebook about uh how being politically correct is really just being a decent human being, but I'll let that slide uh as far as Stephen Colbert, <laughs> it's funny um now granted, I'm a straight male, so maybe I don't have room to talk, but I think the fact that Stephen Colbert obviously meant the whole cock holster comment um metaphorically speaking um. Gives it a different spin, maybe. I mean, obviously, Trump's not literally sucking Putin's cock. So, I don't know. Maybe
0: people are just blowing it out of proportion. That's my opinion. Uh, He just meant it. Did you hear that, Brittany? I heard that. People are blowing it out of proportion. (laughs) I'm very disappointed in John. It's not over, the voicemail. Mm -hmm. But I'm very disappointed in John that he didn't reference the hilarious pun that he just made Mm -hmm. you know and that's sort of the same way you guys
2: talk about s and your guests these or whatever so just just like my two cents on it uh (laughs) love the show oh and while i'm on it uh you guys uh the whole britney is the best part thing she's awesome but i think it's a whole yin and yang thing i think you can't really have one without the other but again just my opinion thanks a lot
0: guys keep it up
1: well that's interesting because we've never heard that (laughs)
0: Also, what what is this business about me stealing <laughs> something off his Facebook page?
1: Yeah, what are you doing? Why are you getting all of your material from John's Facebook page?
0: I've been saying that political correctness thing for... Since the beginning of Donald Trump's goddamn campaign. Did you just start listening, John? What are you Don't even, make me ban another listener from the show.
1: What are you even doing here? Where's John? <laughs> he should be hosting.
0: I do secretly... Skeeve all of my my little witty sayings. Yeah, all my Jesseisms. Yeah, they come from John. All of from his. Ohio.
1: All of his status updates are starred, so they come right to your phone. All his <laughs> Twitter updates. What's he gonna say? I need to. I need to have some stuff for the show.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for the voicemail, even though we're shitting on you, John. Uh,
1: it's all in good fun.
0: He he wasn't the only one who sounded off about this. We also got an email from.
1: Keegan. Keegan. (laughs) Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I've been a YouTube viewer for over a year or two now and a consistent listener for about four months. I was going to call and leave a voicemail, but I'm better at writing out my thoughts. I just wanted to talk about the Colbert quote unquote controversy. I'm a 23-year-old gay male in Denver, Colorado, and I absolutely love Stephen Colbert. I consider myself quite liberal. I was a Bernie Berniecrat who voted for Hillary in the end. But I seriously think the liberals in this country are doomed to lose when we cannibalize our own. It seems people try to get offended and go out of their way to do so. I'm gay, and I didn't find his joke offensive in any way. In fact, if Stephen Colbert had told me my mouth was as good as a cock holster, I would take it as a compliment. I might even tell the world. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to make the point that people need to look at context rather than splice out content. Liberals and progressives need to realize that the only way to progress is together, and we can't do so if we are constantly vilifying decent people. Love the show. You're both the best part.
0: All right. Well, that is awesome. And I agree. You know who doesn't agree, though, Brittany? Donald Trump and the Trump administration. You know, uh, last year at some point, Bobby Jindal gave a speech. Bobby Jindal is the former governor of Louisiana. And he had this to say, the little little short, quippy clip that he used to play.
3: We've got to stop being the stupid party.
0: We've got to stop being the stupid party. That was Bobby Jindal talking about the Republican Party. Because he is a Republican. Well, the Republicans did not heed his advice, and they are. It's official now. They are the the party of stupid. They are the stupid party. Well, Donald Trump and his FCC are now investigating whether or not they're going to punish Stephen Colbert for the joke that, if you remember, was beeped. There was no vulgarity. There was no profanity, and it happened at 11.15, and it's 8 p.m. that those rules typically take take effect.
1: Yeah, well, the FCC said they received, quote-unquote, a number of complaints about the comments, and the FCC chairman promised to take, quote-unquote, the appropriate action following a comprehensive investigation of Colbert's remarks. The FCC's response will depend on whether Colbert's remarks are considered, quote-unquote, obscene. Ugh. We are going to take the facts that we find, and we are going to apply the law as it's been set out by the Supreme Court and other courts, and we'll take the appropriate action. Traditionally, the agency has to decide, if it does find a violation, what the appropriate remedy should be. A fine of some sort is typically what we do.
0: So tell me, Brittany, when I say this, Colster, is that obscene? it's beeped in post. <laughs> I'm just letting you know what I'm going to do.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, not obscene cuz there's a beep. Beep holster is not obscene. Yeah. Cock holster. Yeah. I could see where. Yeah, we might need to look into that. But this exhaustive this exhaustive investigation, this is how exhaustive it needs to be. Go to fucking YouTube. Look at the clip. <laughs> look at the last minute and 13 seconds of it. Yeah and find out that nothing obscene was said over the airwaves. Well, I just love
1: all these Trump supporters who are so upset by this quote-unquote obscene language because I'm sure that they only use the purest of words in private, right? They've never used racial slurs, Donald Trump with his pussy grabbing, right? Right, right. Please.
0: Well, it's also these same people who are, oh, it's censorship, uh... And Coulter, you're not letting her speak. That's not freedom of speech. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, ch- chief among them.
1: No, <laughs> Trump, yeah. baby! Yeah. We got some Hillary bitches on here? Come on, <laughs> baby! Trump! Yeah.
0: So they're, they're going after Stephen Colbert, or at least putting a little fear in him. Mm-hmm. I don't think, because it's a fine. It would probably be like 50 grand or something like that. But still, it's... He has the, 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 the protection of the First Amendment. He can say what the fuck he wants, and they bleeped it more importantly.
1: Right. So, and Stephen Colbert also said he doesn't regret the statement that he believes Donald Trump can take care of himself. He says, I have the jokes. He has the launch codes, so it's a fair fight.
0: <laughs> Look, you chose to be president if you thought it was going to be an easy ride with no one making fun of you. You were mistaken, you fucking dumb guy. Goddamn. All right, moving on hey guys.
2: it's Sean from Missouri and uh I just uh I just came across uh something that I thought I would share uh, apparently Matt Walsh, who Jesse I believe has deemed a cunt in the past, <laughs> managed to somehow both write and publish a book and uh, I looked at it on Amazon, and I clicked on the the preview thing to look at the first page because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and the first line reads, I shit you not, the first liberal was named Lucifer. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'd rather shit nails for a week than read any more. So, anyway, I just thought I would, you know, spread the misery around. So Anyway, love you guys.
0: Bye. Thank you, Sean. Very much for that misery that you're spreading. Listen, I actually never did refer to since we have the bleep out. I might as well just use it. I've never referred to Matt Walsh as a c- on the show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What I did is I I read I Sean is a Patreon supporter. Yeah, and he gives at a level that you know he gets a, a a Google Hangout. We do once a month. Yeah, the whole episode's not going to be a fucking Patreon ad, by the way. But seems like it. Anyway, I I told this story about sometimes, you know, it was related to Britney pulling me back in from the brink. Mm -hmm. And I told a story where I called Matt Walsh. I called him a smug guy with his smarmy (laughs) blog. And I look up and Britney is just staring daggers at me. And I said, no, too much. She goes, yeah, No. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Well, sometimes I go on a tear, and it's too much.
1: Yeah. Listen, Matt Walsh is the worst. He, he really is. He did write that book. I don't know what the name of it is. It's not like I'm going to try to promote it. But he has very interesting ideas about feminism and women, I guess, in general, right. and their roles in society. I always wonder how tall he is.
4: Well,
0: listen... Someone uh, could he, get me that information. He is... Uh, it's only been the last couple of years that I've been kind of filled in to what a neckbeard is. Mm-hmm. And that guy's a neckbeard. That's a guy that if you ever sat down and have a conversation with him, you'd want to elbow him in the throat.
1: Well, it makes you... I, I don't know
0: you, but I would.
1: Well, I wonder kind of why he's so hateful and angry, particularly angry with women.
0: You think he has a Napoleon thing going on? I
1: don't know what it is, but he seems to be very... He has a very... Concerning attitude toward women. Yeah. Um, well, it's like a
0: superiority thing going on.
1: Yeah, and it's it's problematic that he is able to dispense his ideas to so many people, and that a lot of people respond to them positively. Yeah. That's yikes.
0: He's he's one of those, Brittany mm-hmm, Page. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Sean, thanks for the call. We appreciate it very much. Let's move on. Let's move on.
5: Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. <coughs> it's. Emma from Minnesota and I'm going to uh, call and uh, rant a little about the fact that the House just passed the Republican health care repeal of Obamacare <clears throat> and uh, as someone who has a pre-existing condition and has a sibling with an even more serious pre-existing condition who will die definitely if this bill passes. It makes me, uh, furious beyond belief and it dumbfounds me how these people can vote for it because they know it's going to cost lives they're not dumb i mean donald trump is but he's not in the house <laughs> they know it's going to cost lives and they know if it costs lives people aren't going to vote them in again so there's no point in voting for it but they goddamn did it anyway it it makes me mad and confused and it, it makes me worry about the fact that they're so comfortable knowing all this blood is going to be on their hands.
1: Anyway, love the show, guys. Bye. So this pre-existing condition issue has been pretty prominent Yeah. in the discussion of the health care bill, and I want to say that the Republicans are trying to say, listen, this bill doesn't mean that pre-existing conditions are not going to be covered. That's what they keep trying to say, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's obfuscation at best.
1: And there was an amendment in there by um, Tom MacArthur, Republican from New Jersey. That's right. And he said that nothing in the House plan, quote, shall be construed as permitting insurers to limit access to health coverage for individuals with pre-existing conditions. However, that is in conflict with other language in the bill. Yeah. That essentially allows insurers to raise the the price of insurance that is exactly for right, people so. who are, are sick. So the more sick you are, the more it's going to cost. Right.
0: So they, they they have to cover you, but they can charge you whatever the fuck they want, which currently under Obamacare, they, they can't charge you any more than they can someone without a pre, pre-existing condition.
1: Right. So the whole, oh, no, the pre-existing conditions won't be a problem. Right. If you have a lot of money.
0: Yeah, if you're rich. If you can afford it. Well, the Republican Party is classically the party of the rich. They, contr- they, they they protect the rich. They give tax breaks to the rich. They benefit the rich. It's the little guy who doesn't have the privilege and the wealth and the power that gets fucked over by the Republican Party. Once again. Once again. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into this a little bit more. Thanks, Emma, for the voicemail. Before we move on, though, we got another voicemail and an email about something that we pushed last episode to this episode.
6: Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is Jennifer from Long Beach calling in. Um, I wanted to talk about the Jordan Edwards shooting that happened. Um, It's not even really the fact that he got shot that is the most appalling to me, which just Completely, absolutely horrendous. But it's the way the media is talking about it. They're saying things like, oh, he was a good student. He had two parents at home. He played football and had friends. Like, that's supposed to be like a badge of honor for him to not have gotten shot. Whereas other people, like, Philanville, Castiel, and Edward everyone, everyone, the Black Man that got shot, they deserved it because they weren't angels, they weren't thugs. Um, even Tamar Rice, 12 years old, deserved to die, even though he was only 12. But this kid didn't deserve it because he was, quote-unquote, a normal kid in the eyes of white society. And it just bothers me that If it were, like, any other white kid or any other kid who was just, like, on drugs or all these bad things, it would be a tragedy. But the only reason it's a tragedy now is because this kid had two parents. I don't need to Like, I keep trying to understand the way this country thinks, but every day I'm just more and more disappointed. But love the show.
5: Love everything about it. Britney, of course you're the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's
0: the best part. Bye. This is a difficult topic. First of all, thank you, Jennifer, for the voicemail. We appreciate it very much. This is super difficult because our media is such a narrative driven entity. They like a good story. And so when they could paint this, that this is a kid who's on a roll and on his way to college and oh my god, it's so much more sensationalistic. Then it is when you don't need all that because you had a cop who shot a kid in the back of the fucking head with a rifle who was leaving. And when he did his report, he claimed that they were backing into him and he feared for his life. He didn't draw quickly his handgun and shoot. He pulled a rifle. He pulled it to his shoulder he put his head down and aimed. It is a far more complex, d- lengthy, drawn-out process than just pulling your pistol and firing. So the media doesn't need all of the other details to create the narrative. And I, you know, it's a bummer. I, I listen, I, I, I part of me disagrees with her because I, I, I think that the public needs to know as many details as they can. But I don't know that they need that it is necessary to, to 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 uh, amp up the narrative. You know what I mean. There's enough there,
1: right? But if you take a step back, what Jennifer's saying is true because this is even the case when people react to these things. They try to find a reason to back up and verify that what the cop did was right. Sure, yeah. And so they try to find. Oh, does he have bad grades?
0: Like the doctor on the airplane. but what was he wearing?
1: But how was he acting? Yeah. They try to ask these questions, which it doesn't matter. If someone was wrongly killed because of police brutality. Yeah. It doesn't matter what their grades were. It doesn't matter if they told a teacher to fuck off one time. It doesn't matter.
0: I agree. So I I agree with that. I do.
1: And whether or not they are a quote-unquote good kid or a quote-unquote bad kid, you're supposed to look at these situations For what happened. Did the cop act appropriately or not? You you don't need to take anyone's character into consideration.
0: Totally agree. Especially when death is the the, the end result. Yeah. So let's read the email and then let's let's talk a little bit about the case.
1: Hey, Jesse and Brittany. I just wanted to comment on the murder of Jordan Edwards. I know the use of the word murder may seem controversial to some people, but I don't know what else to call it. My first concern is for the family and loved ones of this young boy. My second is for the African-American community, as we yet again must try to process and grieve the murder of yet another one of our children. The situation is a bit personal for me because I have a 13-year-old brother, and he will soon be starting high school, and I fear what someone may feel they could do to him simply because of the color of his skin. I say, to say this situation is heartbreaking and gut-wrenching isn't sufficient to explain the horror and terror that African-American parents feel daily because of the fear that their children will leave their homes and not return. Now, I'm going to try to make a larger point that's really controversial. There is a history in this country of blatant disregard for the lives of children, particularly children of color. It can be found as recently as Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Laquan McDonald, and the missing D.C. girls, Or as far back in the past as the 1963 Birmingham church bombing that killed four little girls and the 1955 murder of Emmett Till. The disregard for the lives of these children and thousands of others throughout our country's history should be considered. And I believe it is the greatest indictment on this country. Brittany made the comment months ago that it must be difficult for black parents to speak with their children about the history of our people in this country. And I agree. But I would add to that, it is no longer incumbent on just parents to warn and advise black children of the perils they face. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, it is now incumbent on older siblings, such as myself, to advise our brothers and sisters to mind their situations, mind their surroundings, and the company they keep. The only difference for me is that before this advice was given to keep my brothers and sisters out of the legal system, now in conjunction with my parents, I must give this instruction to keep them alive." I know and believe that we as a country can do better and be better, and I hope one day that we will. Love both of you, but Jesse D., Brittany P., really is the best part. Raina.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Raina. And look, this is an important issue, and we've talked about it a lot on this show. So what happened with this case of Jordan Edwards? He was at a party with some kids, and they were leaving the party. The cops had been called because apparently it was loud. You know what happens? It's high schoolers drink. Should they know? But do they? Yes. They are on that cusp of becoming adults, and they are experimenting with their freedom and their judgment and their decision making. It is it is a rite of passage to to fuck up, to do the things you're not supposed to do because you're slowly moving into adulthood. To any of you out there who are an adult, think about what you did when you were in high school. The mistakes you made that didn't result in your murder by a cop. Well, this cop, Roy Oliver, like I said before, claims that the vehicle was backing into, the, into him and he felt his life was in danger. So he drew his rifle and shot into the vehicle, killing this young boy. Well, he has since been fired, and he has been arrested and charged with murder. So that is good news. However, don't celebrate just yet. Because it took an entire trial for Michael Slager, the former police officer in South Carolina... It took a full trial where there was a mistrial for him to decide that he would plead guilty to civil rights charges.
3: Now to the 2015 killing of Walter Scott in North Charleston, South Carolina. Today, former officer Michael Slager pleaded guilty to federal charges. Mark Strassman was in the courtroom.
4: With his guilty plea, Michael Slager reversed his two years of denial and admitted knowing he was using excessive force when he fatally shot Walter Scott. A 50-year-old motorist, Slager pulled over in April of 2015 for a broken taillight. Scott ran. Slager chased him. Scott was unarmed and his back was turned when the cell phone video showed Slager shoot eight times. Slager claimed self-defense, that Scott had grabbed his taser. But in a hushed federal courtroom, Judge David Norton asked him, do you understand why you're here today, sir? Slager, I'm here to change my plea to guilty. As part of the plea deal, federal prosecutors agreed to drop two other charges, and state prosecutors agreed not to retry Slager for murder. His first trial ended in a hung jury. Judy Scott, Walter Scott's mother, relished hearing Slager admit he was wrong.
6: And I love my son. I miss him. I miss him dearly. And I thank God for justice.
4: Slager will be held without bond. He faces up to life behind bars. His sentencing date has not been scheduled. What sentence would you like to see? Life in prison. Anthony Scott is Walter Scott's older brother. Do you forgive?
7: Uh, Not yet. Uh, The admission of him being guilty and that he did the crime helps in my healing process. Have I forgiven yet? Um, I'm working on it.
4: In a statement, Slager's lawyer said he hoped this plea would help the Scott family as they continue to grieve. Slager could appeal whatever sentence he gets, Scott, but he cannot change his guilty plea.
3: Mark Strassman, thanks.
4: So what I'm saying here is,
0: let's wait until we start any celebrations that this cop has been charged with murder. And let's address this, too, because we've had pushback from audience members who, who have family in law enforcement, who, who are prior law enforcement. This is an indictment, is, is not an indictment of all police officers. That I do believe there are, there are just some bad apples. But it doesn't say much for the good apples who stand the fuck by why the bad apples do what they do.
1: Yeah, and this is very apparent in those videos that uh, were making the rounds on the internet a couple weeks ago where the guy kicked the guy in the head yeah. while he was on the ground. Yeah. And the cops that were around him and saw him do that, they didn't pull him off the guy. They didn't say take him aside and have a little talk with him. Yeah. And that needs to happen. Absolutely. I mean, you hey, need to
0: police your own.
1: Yeah. Hey, you can't do that to someone who is handcuffed. We have it under control. Do not kick someone yeah. in the face. More of that stuff needs to
0: happen. This guy, Roy Oliver, in the Jordan Edwards case, mm-hmm. he has a past record that was very problematic that should have raised red flags. And if the if the goddamn hires up in his police department had removed him when some of this crazy shit happened... Jordan Edwards might still be alive because that dick face wouldn't have been there to shoot him and murder him with a rifle in the back of the head.
1: Yeah. So on April 16th, about two weeks before Jordan's death, the cop pulled a gun on a woman who rear ended him while he was off duty. So he got out of his car
0: in civilian clothes right,
1: and pointed a gun in her face Goddamn. and she didn't realize that he was a cop and he was asking for her ID again in clothes but with a gun in her face. It's a, it's a traffic accident. And she said, please get your gun out of my face, sir. <laughs> and he refused, began to yell, became very upset, never identified himself as a cop, according to court documents. And I think of being in this situation. As far as you know, yeah, there's
0: it's, just it's just a maniac, an
1: unhinged man who might shoot you in the face. Well,
0: it still was an unhinged fucking man. He was just a man who had a a a, a tremendous amount of authority. And leeway to be doing something like that unchecked because he was a cop.
1: Yeah. And then in in January, he was reprimanded for, quote, unquote, being disrespectful to a civilian on a call. But his bosses dismissed it as an isolated incident and urged him to be mindful of his leadership role in the department. Now, they dismissed this as an isolated incident. But in December 2013, he had a 16-hour suspension for aggressive behavior.
0: So it's not... So they're ignoring the clear signs that should have been recognized. December 2013, January of this year, and then April, and then in May, or at the end of April, he he murders Jordan Edwards.
1: So that aggressive behavior incident, the Dallas County District Attorney's Office actually filed a complaint against him um, after he refused to testify during a drunk driving trial. And when he did... Um, used vulgar language during the trial. So he had profanity-laced testimony. At one point said, I don't understand the fucking question while on the stand.
0: Wow. So this guy is contemptuous of authority while trying to be an authority.
1: That's what it would appear.
0: So this is the problem I have. This is it. You can't say there's only a few bad apples when the good apples aren't trying to remove the bad fucking apples. There is a there is a, a an endemic problem in this country with policing. And the unfortunate victims are people of color and people out of power. I feel safe. I have spoken in many ways that are disrespectful to cops when treated with disrespect. Cuz that's a two-way street and they're public servants. But I'm white. I have that privilege they don't well the other case that we didn't talk about last week that i wanted to is the fact that alton sterling the man who was killed in louisiana last year his killers the cops who took his life on video are not going to be charged call for justice tonight for a man killed by police after federal investigators said they could not prosecute the disturbing incident
3: caught
7: on video, the officers struggling with Alton Sterling, taking him down, and then shots are heard. ABC's Steve Sensami back on the case tonight. Federal prosecutors tonight say they don't have enough to charge officers Blaine Salamone and Howie Lake, seen in these cell phone videos taking the life of Alton Sterling. Because investigators can't say for sure that Sterling wasn't reaching for the gun in his pocket. There are many Americans tonight who believe that no matter what the Justice Department or anyone else says, what's happening in this police takedown outside this Baton Rouge corner store is a crime.
6: Solomon put that gun to his head and said, I'm gonna kill you.
7: But there
4: simply is not sufficient evidence to proceed with a federal charge.
7: The killing led to days of anger, memorialized by this photo seen around the world. The state attorney general says he'll now investigate. Attorneys for the Sterling family believe he's got a great case. Make it clear that Alton Sterling's life matters, that his family's life matters.
6: I'm just asking everybody to step forward so we can continue to get justice, because it can't stop right here.
7: Louisiana's governor and this city's mayor tonight are begging the streets for calm, saying that it's not over. David. Steve Osinsami tonight. Steve, thank you.
0: So, there's clearly still a problem in this country with policing relative to people of color. We're going to keep following this because until there is justice for men like Alton Sterling and Walter Scott, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, we're going to continue to talk about this. It's just sad. Dalamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. And Dalamocracy today is brought to you by our new sponsor for the show, Suji's Korean Cuisine. Brittany and I last last episode talked about it. They are our our, our inaugural sponsor on the show. And we went down to Target into the 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 refrigerated section where they have the little the little vegetables in the area and we got the traditional beef bulgogi Korean cuisine savory beef and let me tell you wow th- this is something you guys need to check out it is awesome it is a company that has been around a long time they started in 2005 with restaurants in Korea and Japan doing New York style deli and they've come back across the Pacific to provide authentic to the culture, Korean cuisine in the United States. It's available in Target. It's available in Costco, in the Southeast.
1: It's also in HEB, and they also have sauces that are available on Amazon, and we also tried the sauces.
0: (laughs) Actually, (laughs) we've been trying the sauces-
1: A lot. Every meal. Yeah. We've tried a lot of the sauce. A lot. (laughs) We had the spicy one, and it actually has a good kick. There's almost never something that is spicy that's sold in stores that's actually spicy. That has any spice yeah. to it at all. Um, but this was not the case with it. It has a very good spice level.
0: You use it as a marinade. What we I just poured over like cooked chicken yeah. or beef like tonight. Yeah, we've been listen. I guess what I'm trying to say is we've been having a lot of Korean tacos lately. Yeah, and it's been a pretty good time.
1: So Suji's Korean Cuisine. Korean-inspired, made in the USA.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, back to Emma. Emma's call, where she talked about the health care. I want to talk about that maybe for the rest of the show. Listen, th- most of you know that Brittany and I are, were from Idaho. And this week, moron congressman Raul Labrador from the first congressional. This is someone I know, Raul Labrador. He's a clown. He is a part of this freedom caucus in the House where he is so up his own ass about trying to extricate government from providing any service at all to the American people that he is willing to allow people to die without health care. Because well, that's not the government's role. Who cares if they die? Or maybe sorry if they die, but that's just not what we do here. We don't care that much.
1: But if you're pregnant, gotta have that baby.
0: But have that baby. <laughs> now, he was at a town hall in Lewiston, Idaho at Lewis Clark State College when this brief exchange happened.
5: You are mandating people on Medicaid except dying. You are making no,
7: no a no one wants to anybody to die. You know that that life is so indefensible. Nobody dies because they don't have access to
0: health. Wow. Did you hear that, Brittany? hmm If Jimmy Kimmel, and we're going to get to what he said last week, it's just ridiculous because if you're born with a condition like Jimmy Kimmel's baby and, you know, you're five years old and you still have that heart defect, but you don't have coverage, what's going to happen? If you don't have health coverage, you don't have health care. Are you? It's miraculously, it's going to fix itself. No, you'll likely die. But not according to Raul Labrador.
7: Nobody dies because they don't have access to health care. If
0: I have a brain tumor in my goddamn head and I don't have access to health care, according to Raul Labrador, I'll be just fine.
7: Nobody dies. Because they don't have access to
0: health care. He is a clown. This is a ridiculous statement to make. And now he's pedaling backward as fast as he can away from it with a note on Facebook.
1: During 10 hours of town halls. That's how it starts because he was oh, tired, was, everybody. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so
0: I was fatigued, everybody. Yeah. 10 hours. Oh, my God. Normally in Congress, we only work two hours. 10 hours. That's. What a marathon. Oh, my God. What a hard-working dude.
1: During 10 hours of town halls, one of my answers about health care wasn't very elegant. I was responding to a false notion that the Republican health care plan will cause people to die in the streets, which I completely reject. In a lengthy exchange with a constituent, I explained to her that Obamacare has failed the vast majority of Americans. In the five-second clip that the media is focusing on, I was trying to explain that all hospitals are required by law to treat patients in need of emergency care, regardless of their ability to pay, and that the Republican plan does not change that. The reason I held four town halls in Idaho was to have an honest and frank discussion with my constituents about important issues. It certainly doesn't help that the media is only highlighting a five-second video instead of the entire exchange.
0: Well, one... It's 17 seconds.
6: You are mandating people on Medicaid except dying. You are making a no. No them one wants
7: anybody to die. You know, that, that line is so indefensible. Nobody dies because they don't have access to health care.
1: He linked to the quote unquote full exchange and it's a seven minute video. Yeah. So I don't know the full context, but the point is that he said that. Yes. And he is somewhat defending it. He's saying, I, what I meant was that no one is going to be refused health care. You're going to go and they have to treat you if you're dying. Right. But and then t- they send you a bill that may ruin your life.
0: Not only that, but if you have cancer and you're needing a run of chemotherapy, they don't give chemotherapy or immunotherapy in the fucking emergency room, Congressman Labrador. He's on record as saying that he doesn't believe we have a right to health care. Apparently, it's a luxury. Thomas Jefferson said we have the, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. As unalienable rights given to us by our creator, he said. So if we have the right to life, you just don't have the right to have a good life or a protected life or a healthy life. Just life, that's it. And then it's just fucking downhill from there, according to Congressman Labrador. So let's talk about Jimmy Kimmel and his baby, who was just born with a life-threatening birth defect. No fault of their own, Jimmy and his wife Molly. They had the best doctors, the best prenatal care, and still... Because of a fluke of genetics, a fluke of just what happens, the baby was born unhealthy. Here he is. A very brief section of him talking
7: about it. Clearly emotional. April twenty first, uh, my wife Molly gave birth to a boy, a baby boy. His name is William John Thank you. Thank you very much. We call him Billy. It was an easy delivery. Six pushes, he was out. And he appeared to be a normal, healthy baby until about three hours after he was born. We were out of the delivery room. We moved to the recovery room. Our whole family was there. And we introduced him to his two-and-a-half-year-old sister. She was cute with him. Um, we were happy. Everything was good. My wife was in bed relaxing. And we. when a very attentive nurse at Cedar sinai Hospital, her name is Ninoosh, was checking him out and heard a murmur in his heart, which is common with newborn babies, but she also noticed he was a bit purple, but they did an x-ray and his lungs were fine, which meant his heart wasn't. So now more doctors and nurses and equipment come in and it's, it's a terrifying thing. I'm, uh, you know, my wife is back in the uh, recovery room. She has no idea what's going on. And I'm standing in the middle of a lot of very worried looking people, kind of like right now, um, (laughs) who are trying to figure out what the problem is. it's Friday night, and so they call a pediatric cardiologist, uh, Dr. Evan Zahn. They did an echocardiogram, which is a sonogram of the heart, and found that Billy was born with um, a heart disease, Uh, something called Tetralogy of Fallot with pulmonary atresia. It's hard to explain. Basically, the pulmonary valve was completely blocked and he has a a hole in the wall between the left and right sides of his heart. So imagine being a parent
0: and having all of this drop on your head on what is supposed to be one of the most memorable and happy occasions of your life. It's a tremendous burden. Now, fortunate enough for Jimmy and his wife, they're worth millions of dollars, and this is not a hit to them financially. But if you're Joe and Jane regular in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and you don't have good health insurance or any health insurance, this might ruin your lives financially. They will do the surgery on your baby because they have a medical oath that they have to follow. They, they have a, an obligation, legal and otherwise.
1: Right. They can't just let the baby die.
0: That is right. But when that baby's five and needs another surgery, you know, that you can't just show up in an ER and expect some ER doctor to provide the kind of surgery that is necessary that a specialist would do. Right. That's where health insurance comes in.
1: Yeah, because there really are people out there who make these decisions based on whether or not they can afford it. Yes. I don't feel well. Something's wrong with me, but I can't afford to go to the doctor. What if it's something major?
0: Right. Well, they'll just chalk it up to, well, maybe it's just indigestion or maybe it's just this. uh, They're convincing themselves because of the burden that will be placed on them financially if they go to the ER. Because, you know, an ER visit's $1,500, $2,000. I, I, I don't
1: know. know. I'm lucky sure enough, it's not cheap.
0: I'm lucky enough to be healthy and also lucky enough to be covered. Mm-hmm. So this is a problem. And Jimmy Kimmel used his platform in a very, very responsible way to make a political message.
7: And I want to say one other thing. President Trump last month proposed a $6 billion cut in funding to the National Institute of Health. And thank God our congressman uh, made a deal last night to not go along with that. They actually increased funding by $2 billion, and I applaud them for doing that. Because more than, more than 40% of the people who would have been affected by those cuts to the National Institute of Health are children, and it, it would have a major impact on a lot of great places, including Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, which is so unbelievably sad to me we were brought up to believe that we live in the greatest country in the world. But in, until what, a few years ago, millions and millions of us had no access to health insurance at all. You know, before 2014, if you were born with congenital heart disease like my son was, there was a good chance you'd never be able to get health insurance because you had a pre-existing condition. You were born with a pre-existing condition. If your parents didn't have medical insurance, you might not live long enough to even get denied because of a pre-existing condition. If your baby is going to die, and it doesn't have to, it it shouldn't matter how much money you make. I I think that's something that, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or something else, we all agree on that, right? I mean, we do. whatever Whatever your party, whatever you believe, whatever you support, to make sure that the people who are supposed to represent us, the people who are meeting about this right now in Washington understand that very clearly. Let's stop with the nonsense. This isn't football. There are no teams. We are the team. It's the United States. Don't let their partisan squabbles divide us on something every decent person wants. We need to take care of each other. I saw a lot of families there, and No parent should ever have to decide if they can afford to save their child's life. It it just shouldn't happen. Not here. So, uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I promise I'm not going to cry for the rest of the show. (laughs) The United States
0: is the only industrialized, the only major nation in the world that doesn't have a single-payer system. Donald Trump, fucking dumb guy Trump was just sitting next to Malcolm Turnbull who has his own problems as a leader of a country. Australia. A, of Australia. And he Donald Trump even told him, you have better health care than us. Mm-hmm. And then went on Twitter and tried to back out of the statement.
1: Well, it was like such a little flimpet little joke
0: for him. Yeah. Just, of course they have better health care than us. It's single payer.
1: He doesn't understand... Anything that comes out of his mouth. i It's so difficult for me. But I want to say that I love Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Very much. And this was powerful that he took the time to share this story with everyone. For the political message, certainly. I also love Jimmy because he he's done this a couple of times. Where someone that he loves has died or... Whatever, yeah, and he takes the time to talk about it, and he cries, and I love him for that.
0: Uh, well, I do too, because I'm I'm a crier, yeah, uh, unashamed. Mm-hmm. I'm a crier. I, yeah, I'm emotional. Yeah, I I love love, and sometimes that means being overwhelmed by it, and, and having Kevin tears.
1: And so he has my second favorite Twitter bio. It says, "Blessed, fortunate." ready to serve. And I love that he's using his platform to make a difference.
0: Yeah. See, that may be emotional. (laughs) But my my
1: first Twitter bio is Sports by Brooks, and it just says, is not for everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyway, listen, Republicans aren't all on the same page here, even though they did pass this fucking horrific, quote-unquote, repeal and replace, this American Health Care Act. But there's one guy in particular, there's several out there, like Raul Labrador, but there's another guy out there called, his name is Robert Pittenger. And we've talked about him in the past. He just said some very stupid things about healthcare. But let me remind you who he is. Last year when being interviewed about these protests, these Black Lives Matter protesters, he said this.
3: Uh, 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 With with respect, Congressman, I don't don't think the people on the streets last night and the night before were protesting against Lyndon B. Johnson's uh, almost half a century old policies. What what, what is their grievance in their mind?
4: Well, no, the grievance in their mind is uh, the, the, the animus, the anger. They hate white people because white people are successful and they're not. I mean, yes, it is. It is a welfare state.
0: Sitting United States Congressman from North Carolina, everybody.
4: They hate white people because white people are successful and they're not.
0: We've got to stop being the
3: stupid party.
0: Come on. So what what did he say exactly? What's the quote that he said about health care?
3: People can
1: go to the state that they want to live in. States have all kinds of different policies and there are disparities among states for many things driving restrictions, alcohol, whatever, we're putting choices back in the hands of the states. That's what Jeffersonian democracy provides for.
0: Right. He's referring to the, case, the the fact that states now can request a waiver from the federal government to not cover pre-existing conditions to create this high-risk pool. Right? So he's saying, well, you could just move to a different state. Yeah, if, you, <laughs> if you have heart disease that's... It's a pre-existing condition and your state has opted out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, all you have to do, it's simple, you fucking people. You sell, you quit your job, you sell your house. And you make a new life in you, a new state. Yeah, you go somewhere else. Based you, you on up, your health care. You uproot your entire life because of a pre-existing medical condition. <laughs> that makes sense, right?
4: They hate white people because white people are successful and they're not.
0: But not all Republicans are fucking idiots. Ohio has a governor for whom I have a lot of respect. Is he right on everything? No. John Kasich is wrong on a lot of stuff.
1: But he seems like a reasonable, genuine human being.
0: He's a guy that you can sit down with and have a conversation about policy in a cogent, reasonable, realistic way. He was on with Jake Tapper. You know we love JTAP. And they talked a little bit about this health bill and how it is woefully underfunded. Uh, the answer from Dr. Price is that this bill gives new flexibility to states, it gives new uh, flexibility to governors. Uh, it also obviously could have a big impact on, on people with pre existing conditions in that states will be able to obtain waivers uh, and then insurance companies uh, will be able to charge okay. people with pre existing conditions let me, let me, higher premiums.
3: Yeah. The, this business of these low risk pools. They're not funded. Eight now, billion dollars the they're adding
0: is not enough. You're saying
3: eight billion dollars is not enough to fund the It's a, it's ridiculous, and the, the fact is states are not going to opt for that. See, I think I think the fundamental issue here are the resources. I I want to give you exactly the numbers, but it's about half the resources in this bill that were in Obamacare. Now I can tell you that we can do with less resources. But you can't do it overnight and you can't and you cannot give people a three or four thousand dollar health insurance policy. You know where they're going to be. They're going to be living in the emergency rooms again. So they went. I mean, they were just trying to fulfill a campaign promise. And I still say they should have worked with the Democrats. Now, if the Democrats didn't want to work with them because some of them did not, then they should have called them out. But you tell me what happens to people. Think about our listeners. What can you buy for three dollars or $4,000 a year? Not, not much. And if you have to consistently visit the doctor, how are you going to pay for that? The deductibles will be so high. And again, in Medicaid, you're going to knock all these people off after 2020, which is just a few years away. Uh, these people who now are getting covered across the country. So let me just,
0: just, just be clear here. You are not going to seek any waivers for the state of Ohio when it comes to the requirements for insurance companies with uh, people with pre-existing conditions, when it comes to essential health benefits, you're fine with the rules as they are.
3: I would say that I'd like some flexibility. I know there's a push to try to rec- have some kind of a work requirement for able-bodied Medicaid recipients. And, uh, and I'll work with my legislature to, be, to respect the kind of things that they want. But there would be no reason to move to a high-risk pool because a high risk pool is not funded. So I would just stay in the traditional program on the exchange. The problem, look, this is all gonna be changed, Jake. You cannot, you can't do it this way. You can't starve these programs, and that's what's happening.
0: Let me explain just how much they're starving these programs. It's estimated that the $8 billion that they have proposed to fund these high risk pools across 50 fucking states is underfunded by $192 billion. It's gonna take 200 billion to fund these and they've, prom- they've given 800- 8 billion. It's a shocking slap in the face.
1: Yeah. Well, I love when they have these conversations about Medicaid and like Tom Price, the health and human services secretary, saying that they are not cutting Medicaid. They're just doing this to give more flexibility to the states and it's going to result in blah, blah, blah. How am I supposed to trust somebody when they say that when like they get mad about kids having free lunch?
0: Yeah. He's one that is like that, too. I
1: mean, I how am I supposed to believe that you want to protect poor people who need help when you're contemptuous of children getting free lunch at school.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know how to believe them when they try to do this work around.
3: We've got to stop being the stupid party.
0: They refuse.
1: It's very upsetting. It's very frustrating.
0: (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss here. Look, Obamacare is a perfect fuck. No. Does it have problems? Yes. Is it in a tailspin? Absolutely not. But it does. Look, we we know a lot of people, Brittany and I, who have been adversely affected by Obamacare. They pay way more for their health insurance now. A lot of people. So there needs to be men's on the system. Fix what's wrong with a pretty good system. Because until we have single-payer... And that's where all of these Democrats are cowards. We need to demand single payer in 2018 when the midterm flips. Because you've got Dianne Feinstein. You've got Nancy Pelosi who act like they're champions of progressive policies like like single payer. And are running away. They're running away from it now.
1: I also want to comment on the fact that many of the Republicans that voted for this did not read the bill.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know that any of them really had time to do so. Yeah.
1: And that's problematic. And I know that that happens with the Democrats, too.
0: Yeah. It will happen with Obamacare. Right. And the Republicans lost their fucking minds about it.
1: Yeah. And then here they are
0: doing the same <laughs> goddamn thing.
1: In fact, Mark Sanford was on CNN and he was asked by Allison Camerota if he read it. And the reaction was hilarious. I thought
0: he was swallowing his tongue. Yeah.
1: Because he was
0: uh, was panicked. And he ended up
1: saying that he attempted to read the whole thing. And (laughs) that he at least looked at every page.
0: (laughs) No, that is what he said. Yeah. I I looked at at least every page. Yeah. Come on, dude. (laughs) God damn. Anyway, (laughs) we're going to leave you there. We're We're not going to
1: do an asshole of today.
0: Oh, if that's what you would like to do, let's do that. It's the asshole
7: of today.
1: Ivanka Trump. Now, oh. listen, I'm going to be on this for a while, okay? Even oh, okay. <laughs> without reading the book. But there's there's some just beautiful nuggets that are coming out because mm. people have read the book and I've been reading about it. And it fills me with so much joy and joy. And anger, but a lot of joy.
0: Joy and seething anger at the same time.
1: Yeah. Brittany so, Page
0: is a hashtag confused laid.
1: Yeah, definitely a confused laid. So Gia Tolentino of The New Yorker wrote kind of a review for the book, I guess. And if they've
0: taken a big steamy dump on something as a review, is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> she just, she talks about different parts of the book and. It's really funny because it's exactly what I would expect. So there's this one quote. She says that women who work is mostly composed of artless jargon and gives the example of this this inspirational quote from the book. All women benefit immeasurably
0: from... It, women who work is the name of the book. Yeah. Okay.
1: All women benefit immeasurably by architecting their lives.
0: <laughs> uh, who is she? Gwyneth Paltrow?
1: Yeah, it reminds me of that um, funny science paper, the pseudo profound bullshit or whatever. <laughs> yes. Um, so a lot of inspirational quotes and inspirational quotes that this book review says you can just find by Googling inspirational quotes. So that might be <laughs> that might be what Ivanka did. Right, right. We she don't j- know. She just
0: went to real or randomly generated, which is that Deepak Chopra thing. Yeah. And then just came up with shit.
1: Yes. So another quote is, honor yourself by exploring the kind of life you deserve. The review goes on to say, the imagined audience for the book is so rarefied that Ivanka confidently calls paying bills and buying groceries, quote unquote, not enormously impactful to one's daily productivity.
0: What? Paying bills?
1: And buying groceries? And buying
0: groceries is not productive?
1: Not enormously impactful to one's productivity.
0: It seems about the most productive thing you can do is pay bills so you can remain living where you live and driving the car that you have and having your electricity on and buying groceries keeps you alive. So they both seem very impactful for your productivity.
1: Well, this is also privilege, right? Of course. She doesn't need to do anything in order to pay bills.
0: She's got a nanny. And when's the last time you think she went to a fucking grocery store? (laughs) Come on.
1: Yeah. So her nannies are mentioned twice, if you count the acknowledgments, apparently. And then she (laughs) doesn't uh, mention any other household help.
0: Right. Yeah. They don't have a maid, I'm sure. So. They probably have multiple maids.
1: That seems.
0: Her and Jared are estimated to be worth $700 million. Yeah. Three quarters of a billion dollars. They've got some help.
1: Yeah, and I want to say this, too. There was this video that she posted where she was having a dance party, a quote-unquote dance party with her her kid. You
0: showed me this. And
1: it was very awkward to watch.
0: Contrived bullshit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The child was
0: very confused. He oh, flips on the music, like starts dancing like, oh, and like, this is what we do here in the Trump household. Yeah. And the kids, they were, they were visibly like, what the fuck is going on? Right. Well, one
1: was a baby, so it's naturally like that, but the other one was a kid. and uh. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then and I- And it's a Trump baby, I, so. w- I was reading comments on it and there was one that said, I love how simple your house looks. You can tell that you don't value material things.
0: Oh, geez. Why do you read the- Comments and
1: I just well, I didn't get into it with anybody, so I just am reading it so I can know what life is like again. See, that's where the
0: (laughs) seething hatred comes from.
1: Yeah, so this person believes that her house is simple. Yeah, her multi million dollar home that she lives in, she's probably wearing a fifty thousand dollar trench coat, right, and shoes that cost more than someone's car
0: very likely so and she probably lives in a very modest five-floor walk-up in new york city
1: well they moved to a, D- they moved to dc right oh that's right so and it's, bought it's, that house it's not a
0: that's where they live in obama's neighborhood mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's not an expensive house at all yeah it's probably you know two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, three bedroom two and a half bath
1: mm-hmm.
0: split level rancher you know britney yeah that's how the trumps roll goddamn yeah all right well asshole today again Again, asshole of today. We need to go back through maybe and find out. I don't know how we would do this, but find out and keep a list of who's asshole today and see, like, crown a a king of asshole of the year. Yeah. At the end of the year. Who
1: won it the most?
0: Yeah. That's not going to happen. I don't know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not doing it. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, we love you. We're going to leave you there. We appreciate you guys so goddamn much. Seriously, with the Patreon love. Getting us even a step closer to our goal of doing three episodes a week. If you would like to take part in moving us toward that goal of helping me with my issue with YouTube and my videos being demonetized, go to patreon.com slash Dollamore or dollimore.com slash PayPal. Or you can just shop on Amazon. Go to Dollamore.com, the left-hand side of the page. There's a link. Support the show. You can find the ways. Seriously, we appreciate you guys and every single hard-earned dollar that you are willing to part with to give to us is appreciated beyond belief. If you want to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. We will see you next time on episode 302. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dallamore, and this has been I Doubt It.
1: If Stephen Colbert had told me my mouth was as good as a cock holster, I would take it as a compliment. I might even tell the world. <laughs> <laughs>